Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so good to look up and see our great God who cannot lie, you were faithful. And to see that you are the can-do God and, and you have taken good care of us and we want to thank you for that. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. We pray that you would continue to, to meet our needs individually and as a church. Jesus, you invited weary and heavy-laden people to come and find rest, and our souls are weary and heavy-laden. Wow, this virus and division and anger in our country, so much stress. And you said if we would come and learn from you, we could find rest for our souls, so we're here. May your Spirit teach us. Lord, we've come, and may we eat bread, the bread of life, as, as we gather together and and then may we go and offer it to others that they might eat the bread of life. Lord, we've come to drink living water, rivers of living water. And Lord, as we drink, may we go and flow and may we invite others to come and drink living water. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to read from Genesis chapter 21 this week. Uh, we're going to read the first seven uh, verses. This is God's word. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne born him a son in his old age? Um, if you're new, this year we've been walking through Genesis together, and we've been spending a lot of time getting to know a man named Abraham, this is 25 years after we first met him, and now, and now God has given him and his wife Sarah a son. And, and notice what happens. Verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. And you know what Isaac means? Laughter. He named his son Laughter. Isn't that great? And then notice verse 6. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And Sarah laughed. So let me ask you, don't you love to hear people laugh, don't you? Don't you love to laugh? And don't you, it just seems like in a world filled with so much stress, it's like medicine, right? It's like medicine for our soul, isn't it? Oh, if you ask me, Smiley, what is your favorite sound in the world? I would say my favorite sound is to hear my wife, Karen, laugh. She has the best laugh. To sit with her and watch a Will Ferrell movie, she would want me to say like a funny, I mean like a, like a fairly clean one, okay? Uh, but to, to hear her watch Elf and just laugh and laugh and laugh, man, that is like the, it just is therapeutic, isn't it? Don't you love to hear, don't you love to laugh? Now, <clears throat> um, Karen um, also likes to do like crossword puzzles, but she doesn't want you to help her, uh, especially like with the last piece. So this week, as I'm, as I'm thinking about my wife, I come across this comic 
Um, and, and I think it's pretty good. It's like a, a, a husband is dead. See his feet there? And they're leading the wife away, and the, and the detective says, evidence suggests she was working on the puzzle and got up to make tea. Husband enters and puts last piece in. So that made me think of her. I sent it to her. Her response back, she texted back, justifiable homicide. <laughs> man, I would never put the last piece in for her. <laughs> oh, man, laughter. Isn't it good to laugh? You know what we're going to do today? We're going to hear a 90-year-old lady laugh from the bottom of her belly because what she never could have imagined has happened. She, at 90 years old, has had a baby, and she laughs. Isn't that a great thing? In the midst of a broken world, to hear laughter, and Sarah laughed. And, and here's why. When she looked up and she looked at God, here's what she saw. Listen, the point of today's message <clears throat> is that, that God is faithful and able, able to keep His promises. Would you say that with me? God is faithful and able to keep his promises. Oh, what I'm praying is that when you leave here today or when you leave online, as you leave, just like Sarah was filled with the wonder that she had a baby, that you would leave laughing, overflowing with joy. I can't believe it. I can't believe it that I'm a Christian. I can't believe Jesus loves me. I can't believe I have eternal life. Wouldn't that be great? Now, notice that a little bit, that God is faithful and able to keep His promises. Think about us. Sometimes we're, we're, we're faithful to do what we promise, right, but not able to. Isn't that true? Um, you know, I've spent way too much time during the stay-at-home watching NCIS and Special Agent Gibbs. I wonder, how do you get to be a special agent? But often when someone is murdered, what Gibbs promises someone is, I will bring the person who did this to justice. And what he really does is what he, he really doesn't have the ability to do what he promises, does he? Well, I guess on a TV show you do, right? But any detective who said that about a murder would be promising something they're not able to do, right? I mean, they could say, I will do everything I can to bring the person to justice, but a detective doesn't know whether he'll find the person or whether the court will convict them, right? So sometimes as people, we're faithful but not able to do what we promise, right? And, and then sometimes the opposite is true, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we're able to do what we promise, but we're not faithful to, isn't it? <laughs> My poor wife, she gives me something that I'm actually able to do, like, sweetheart, would you please make two copies for me? That's in my ability to do, right? Two copies. So I come to work. I don't pay attention. I make one copy. I bring it home. I think she's going to be happy. She's not happy because though I'm able to, what I'm not faithful to do, what I'm able to do. If you were to ask me, Smiley, what is one of the best things that's ever happened in your marriage? It was getting direct deposit at church. Because I used to be handed a paycheck, but somehow I couldn't get it all the way home. I, I would put it in my car, and I would be driving down 207. It would be blowing out the window, and I'm running through traffic trying to find it because though I'm able to do certain things, I'm not faithful to follow through to do them. Aren't you glad God is unique? Aren't you glad that God is faithful and able to do what He promises? Aren't you glad?
That's why our God is so great. And so as I read you from Genesis 7, I don't know whether you picked it up or not, but what we heard was about a miraculous birth, didn't we? A miraculous birth at just the right time to keep a promise. We heard in these verses about a miraculous birth at just the right time to keep a promise. And doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that like sound like something we've heard before? The reason is that's the gospel. It's the one story of the Bible, and we hear it over and over again. Starting with a miraculous birth. Look at verse 7. And she, Sarah, said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, how old is Abraham now? He is 100. And how old is Sarah? She's 90. Way past what was humanly possible, what was humanly impossible was possible with God. God gave Sarah the ability to have a miraculous birth at 90, and so Isaac was born. And Isaac is a picture of what? He's a picture of another miraculous birth, isn't he? Did you know that every Jewish woman longed that she might be the birth of a Savior? Because God had promised when the Savior was born, he would be born of a woman. And so every woman thought, maybe, maybe I'll be that woman. But then one day, God came to a young woman, Jewish woman named, there you go, Mary, and said, Mary, you're the one. Can you imagine that? That you were selected to be the one that every Jewish woman wanted to be. You're the one. Mary, you're the one to be the mother of the Savior. And we pick up the story in Luke 1. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How can it be? I've never had sex with anyone. How can this be? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, God is faithful and able. God can handle it. The Holy Spirit can handle it. Faithful and able to keep his promises. And for this reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. You ever hear someone say you just need blind faith? This is not what the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said, hey, hey, Mary, think about your, think about your relatives. She never thought she would have a child. The same child that enabled Elizabeth to have a child will enable you to have a child as a virgin. God can handle it. For nothing will be impossible with God. Our God is faithful and able to, to keep his promises. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What are we learning about? A miraculous birth. The birth of Isaac pointed to the miraculous birth, the virgin birth of Jesus, right? Which is the, the one story of the Bible. A miraculous birth at just the right time. Did you pick up verse 2? Verse 2 back in Genesis 1, So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And, and say it with me, what? At the appointed time. Let's do it one more time. At the appointed time. You see, Isaac was born at just the right time, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. You see, back uh, a couple of chapters in, in chapter 18, Jesus and two angels had appeared to Abraham. Jesus and two angels had appeared to Abraham, 
And they had been waiting for 24 years at that time for a son. And um, in, in chapter 18, notice this. And he, Jesus, said to Abraham, I will surely return to you at this time next year. It's going to be when? At this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So at just the right time, at that time, at the appointed time, the next year, Isaac was born. And listen, his birth at the right time pointed what? Pointed to Jesus, right? And how Jesus would come at the right time, at the appointed time. And so we come to the New Testament. And in Galatians chapter 4, what do we read? But when the, what? When the fullness of time came at just the right time in human history, at that time that God had planned for Jesus to come, he came at that time. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son. Just like Isaac was born as a son, so Jesus was born, uh, sent forth his son, born of a woman, just like it said in Genesis 3, born under the law. Why? So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So what do we see? We see a miracle, a miraculous birth of Isaac to point to Jesus, right? And, and we see at just the right time to point to Jesus. And then we see with Isaac to keep a promise, to keep a promise. And what was the promise? Um, we've been walking in Genesis for a while. And when God first called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 12, God entered into a covenant with Abraham, a, a binding promise. And I want you to notice there was a top line to the covenant and a bottom line. God says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Abraham, I, I want to bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. God says, listen, I want to bless you with a new name and with a land and with descendants. And then I want you to take everything I give to you and be a blessing to others. And then he tells him in particular how he's going to be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, in your descendant, one of your descendants will be the Savior. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. <laughs> listen, R, are you a Christian? God's covenant with you is I, I, I will bless you and bless you and bless you and then I want you to be a blessing to others, a blessing to others. But the promise was one of his descendants would bring salvation to all the nations. And then a few weeks later with Abraham, and a few weeks later with Abraham, God uh, appears to him. He still doesn't have a child. And, and we saw in Genesis 15, remember this? Jesus once again comes and he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. You ever been out on the ocean at night away from lights? Have you ever? And you looked up and there were so many stars. Ever been camping somewhere away from a city? And you look up and there's so many more stars than you see when you're in a city, right? And he doesn't have any kids, but he says, Abraham, one day your descendants are going to be like the, the stars in the heaven, so shall your descendants be. And how did Abraham respond? And he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And, and hasn't God kept that promise? Aren't there Christians around the world? Aren't Abraham's descendants, all those who share his faith, aren't they like the, the stars in the sky, aren't they? And then we saw in Genesis 18, in Genesis 18, we saw that God said, it'll be next year, I'll keep my promise next year. And then we come back to this chapter 21. 
And what did we read? Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did, did for Sarah as he had promised. God kept his promise because our God is faithful and able to keep his promises, right? So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. God made a promise. A son would be born, and they believed, and it became true. And, and isn't that a promise of a, a picture of, of another son who would be born, right? Isn't the birth of Isaac a, a picture of another promise to be kept of the birth of a Savior who would be one of his descendants? And so we come to the New Testament, and what do we read in John 3:16? For God so loved the world. Oh, I love that, don't you? He doesn't just love the world, he, what he so loved the world that, what, that he gave his only begotten son. You see, the son Isaac was appointed to another son, the, the only begotten son, who, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The birth of Isaac pointed to the birth of, of Jesus, didn't he? Um, you see, Jesus came to, to give eternal life to all who would believe in him. And, um, and so if we want to believe in him for eternal life, it starts with the bad news of the gospel, which is our sin. And have you noticed today that people can see really clearly the sins of others? Have you noticed that? That, that people are really quick to point out the sins of others, and, and all those sins are true, but what about ourselves? Isn't it true of us too? The Bible says for what? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have, have you ever told a lie? Ever? You ever stolen anything? Ever? Did you ever talk back to your parents? Ever disobey to your parents? Ever? Do you ever involved in sex outside of marriage? Isn't it true that all of us have sinned against God and we're in big trouble? That's the bad news. Know what the good news? Here's the good news. <clears throat> A Savior has been born. The baby born was virgin born because Jesus is unique. He's fully God and fully man in one person. He's sinless. He's, he was fully God and fully man, so he could do for us what we couldn't do. He lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died for our sins, paying in full the penalty for our sins, rising on the third day and offering us eternal life. Did you hear that? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus promises all who believe in him that he'll forgive them of their sins. That we'll have an abundant life doing life with him now and then doing life with him, with him forever. Uh, we have this coronavirus um, going around, right? And a lot of people are, are really frightened, aren't they? You know the most important thing we can do? You do know, don't you? We can believe in Jesus. You know why? Because when we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven of our sins. We get to do life with Jesus, and he promises us that we'll get to live forever with him on a new earth without any sickness or death. Don't you want to be there? Isn't that what our hearts long for? And one day it will be true. Will it be true for you? Will it? Well, Smiley, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It's, we love to say that believing in Jesus is as simple as ABC, where we admit and, and then believe and commit. We start when we admit Jesus, I've sinned against you, not just other people, but I've sinned against you. And if you've not done that, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to him. That means we trust Jesus for eternal life. What's your plan today? 
Why should God let you into heaven? Are, are you saying, I'm a good person? You're trusting in yourself. Quit trusting in yourself and trust in Christ. No, I'm trusting Jesus did it all for me on the cross, won't you? That he died and rose for me. And then we commit to him as Lord. Jesus, I'm tired of living in rebellion to you. I want you to take over, and from this day forward, I'll follow you, won't you? Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Won't you believe? And if you have, I want you to know you have eternal life. You are forgiven. You get to do life with Jesus in eternity with him. And that kind of reminds me of our, of our purpose as a church. You see, our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. Would you say that with me? It's to make disciples together. The first step at being a disciple is to believe in Jesus, do you? I mean, that's the first step. We believe in Jesus, and then we have eternal life. But the next invitation he gives to us is what he says, follow me, doesn't he? He wants us to follow him, to obey him. When Jesus moves in, he says, I'm Lord now, and I lead, and you follow. Got that? And I want to show you that with Abraham and with Sarah. They believed in Jesus for eternal life, but they also followed him. Let me show you that. In, uh, in Genesis 21, verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. And you know why he named him Isaac? Why did he name him Isaac? Because what? God told him to name him Isaac. And so he followed Jesus. He did what Jesus said, right? And that's always a good idea, isn't it? Isn't it always a good idea to follow him and do what Jesus says, isn't it? Notice what Abraham does next. Not only did he name him Isaac, then Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. So God commanded him to not only be circumcised himself, but to circumcise his, his, his son. And so he did what God had commanded him. Isn't that a good idea? Wouldn't our lives be really different if we did what he commanded us? You see, the sign of God's covenant was given both to Abraham as a believer and to his son. By circumcising his son, he was saying, listen, my son needs Jesus more than anything in the world. And, and he was saying, I'm going to do everything I can to raise him to know and follow Jesus. And isn't that what parents do when they have their children baptized? They're, they're saying, listen, my child needs Jesus more than anything, and, and I want to do everything I can to bring my children to Jesus. But listen, Abraham, he followed. He followed Jesus. He, he named his son Isaac because he was told to. He circumcised his son just like he was told to. How about Sarah? Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears me will laugh with me. You know what Sarah did in obedience? She laughed. She laughed. Her son was named. Her son was named Laughter, and she laughed. But notice what she says. God has made laughter for me, for everyone who hears will laugh, what? With me. For 90 years, you know what had happened? People had laughed at her. For 90 years, people laughed at her. Now they laughed with her. In that day, a woman's worth was measured by how many children she had, particularly sons. And, and so Abraham's name meant exalted father, and then later a father of a multitude. Well, Sarah, how many sons, how many children have you borne your son? How many? None. So for 90 years, people laughed at her. 
And then they began to laugh with her. Sarah, who could ever have imagined, who could ever have imagined that you would have had a son at your age? Let me ask you, would you rather people laugh at you or laugh with you? Wouldn't you rather have them laugh with you? Notice what she says. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah has, would nurse children, yet I have borne a son in his old age? Every time she looked at Isaac and thought about him, she broke out in laughter because who would have imagined that she would ever have had a son? It just all seemed so impossible, didn't it? So listen, what have we learned so far that our God is faithful and able to do what he promises? And I want to give you like the best action step ever. What I want you to do this week is I want you to laugh. I want you to laugh with joy. And, And you say, well, how can you laugh with joy? Well, Walt Disney was once asked, Walt Disney was once asked, what makes a good movie? You know what Walt Disney said makes a good movie? He said, a good movie makes you laugh and makes you cry. A good movie makes you laugh and cry because it touches you at an emotional level. If someone asked me, Smiley, what makes a good worship service? I would say a good worship service would be a service where sometime in that we would weep and sometimes in that we would laugh. What should a day look like in a, for a Christian in a broken, sin-scarred world? Every day we should weep at some point, shouldn't we? Because of the brokenness of our world. But shouldn't we laugh every day as well? And you say, well, how can someone laugh in this world? You know why we laugh? Because we've experienced grace. Every day when Sarah looked at Isaac, she said, I can't believe I have a son. I can't believe I have a son. Shouldn't we every day just be filled with wonder that we're a Christian, that we're a Christian? Shouldn't that fill us with, 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 uh, with joy and laughter? Laugh with joy? Well, joy. You know what joy is? Joy is Jesus overflowing in you. Joy is Jesus overflowing in you. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you a great verse. In John 15, look at this verse. These things I've spoken to you that my, what? Now Jesus is speaking, okay? He says, I'm speaking this to you so that my joy may be in you. Is Jesus' joy overflowing in you, is it? That's why he spoke, so that my joy may be in you and that your, what, joy may be made full. I think I meet way too many Christians who think that Jesus came to earth because we were having way too much fun and he wanted to tamp it down a little bit. But what Jesus says is our joy level is way too low, and he, and he wants to raise it up. He wants to raise it up. And you say, well, how? Listen, when Jesus lives in you, you know who you are. When you know how you are, I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. How do we not laugh with joy when we know who we are? When we know why we're here, what our purpose is in life, shouldn't we stick out? We're different because we know why we're here, right? We know where we're going. We know where we're going. Shouldn't that make a difference? Shouldn't Jesus overflow in us because we know where we're going? Oh, when the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, what? Joy. Is that true of us? Now, don't you love to laugh? This week, uh, I was thinking about, you know, like a virgin birth, and some people struggle to believe that. But these two ladies here, the, the lady didn't have any trouble with the virgin birth, but she had trouble with something else. See these two ladies? The lady says, a virgin birth, I can believe. But finding three wise men, 
Come on, ladies, that's true, isn't it? You can believe in the virgin birth, but three wise men, that's way too many, right? Oh, man. So, so this week, this week what I want for you is I want you to laugh with joy, to laugh with joy. And, and you say, well, how can we do that? We laugh with joy because we're Christians. We laugh with joy because we're Christians. Every time Sarah looked at Isaac, his name was laughter. She laughed with joy. I can't believe I have a son. Is that us? I can't believe I'm a Christian. Listen, if you ask a religious person, if you ask a religious person, are you a Christian, you know what, they'll, they'll act offended. Well, of course I am. Well, of course I am. What do you think I am? But man, if you ask a Christian, are you a Christian, you know what you get? <laughs> that is the funniest thing I've ever true heard. Isn't it true? Isn't it? What did the Apostle Paul write? He said, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. D does that make us laugh every day of our life that we have experienced grace from God, that we're Christians with all of our flaws? How did someone like me ever get to be a Christian? <laughs> no one else makes me laugh. I'm a parent. I mean, that's funny, isn't it? Listen, we have six kids, and when our kids were little, I would look in the rearview mirror, and we had six kids, and I would look at them and think, who in the world would ever entrust children to me? Who would do that? I mean, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard, that I would be a parent, and kids would be entrusted to me. Do you, do you lead a small group? Do you ever laugh? Do you ever laugh, look at your small group and say, how did I ever get to be the leader? Who put me in charge of this? Man, that is just crazy that I'm a leader. Have you ever had the joy of leading someone to faith in Christ? I have. And, and to lead someone to faith in Christ and think, how did I ever get the chance to lead someone to faith in Christ? That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, you know what makes me laugh every day of my life? People introduce me. You know how they introduce me? <laughs> Ask their pastor. It still makes me laugh after all of these years. How did someone as flawed as me ever get to be a pastor? And I can assure you, I grew up in St. Augustine. And there are many people you could meet in this community. And if you told them I was your pastor, you know what they would do? They would laugh and laugh and laugh and say, I never would have ever imagined that could be true. Shouldn't we laugh every day? Shouldn't we? With joy that we're Christians or parents or small group leaders or, or even a pastor. Listen, this week when we get it wrong, when we get it wrong, let's laugh with joy. And we'll get it wrong this week, don't you think? I mean, if our past is any indicator of our future, won't we get it wrong some this week? Listen, when we get it wrong this week, let's laugh with joy. When, when we lose our temper, when we say something that's unkind, let's just laugh with joy and say, man, I am so thankful to be a Christian. And when people say why, and you can say, because you know what? Jesus loves sinners. Who else would love someone as flawed as I am? Man, no one needs Jesus more than me. Will you do that this week? Listen, when we get it wrong this week, let's laugh with joy. Listen, when we get it right this week, hopefully we'll get it right some this week, right? When we get it right this week, let's laugh with joy. Let's laugh with joy. People often say, well, Smiley, you're just such a faithful person. You know what I do? I just laugh and laugh and say, oh, oh no, no, I'm not. But I know someone who is. His name is Jesus, and I'm a disciple of him. I'm following him, and I find as I follow him, I become more like him. Would you like to be more faithful? Why not follow the faithful one? Oh, 
Let me show you something. In Galatians chapter 5, you see, we're given supernatural help to get it right. Did you know that? The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, if you ask anybody what are they looking for in life, almost anybody would list one of the first three parts of the fruit of the Spirit. Wouldn't, wouldn't anybody list either love or joy or peace or maybe all three? But I want you to know the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ, and what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to show us the beautiful life that Jesus lived and say, don't you want to live like that? And then he forms him in us. Now, notice the fruit of the Spirit is joy and faithfulness. Joy and faithfulness. When we get joy and faithfulness this week, you know, let's laugh with joy. Now, could we say that in our culture the joy level is set pretty low? Wouldn't that be true? The joy level that you meet a lot of people today, how you doing? I'm full with joy. It isn't low. How about faithfulness? Is the faithfulness bar set pretty low? Imagine Imagine what could happen this week if we were filled with the fruit of the Spirit, if we were filled with joy and faithfulness. Wouldn't we have opportunities to laugh with joy, wouldn't we? I mean, you want to stick out this week? What if you showed up for work each day early with joy? Wouldn't you stick out? Wouldn't people say, what's with you? Listen, when you serve at church, what if you showed up early? What if you showed up early with joy? Wouldn't you stick out? Are you married? What if you stayed married? Wouldn't you stick out? And, and, and what if you, I mean, imagine this, how crazy this is. What if you enjoyed it? What if you enjoyed it? Wouldn't you stick out for all the right reasons, wouldn't you? Listen, our assignment this week is to laugh with joy. We laugh because we're Christians. When we get it wrong, we laugh with joy. When we get it right, we laugh with joy. Listen, when we want to witness to others, we laugh with joy. We laugh with joy. You say, what? Oh, I have this conversation all the time. I'm with someone, and they'll say, this person is a narcissist. And I always ask back, well, what's a narcissist? And you know what people tell me? They're people who always think about themselves. I just laugh with joy and say, I'm glad I don't. And then I tell you, are you kidding me? I must be a narcissist. I think about myself all the time. You mean you don't? And then I say, listen, no one needs Jesus more than I do. I mean, I'm always thinking about myself, aren't you? I'm with people, and you know what they'll say? They'll say, that person's judgmental. And know what I say? Glad I'm not. And they say, what? Are you kidding me? I judge people all the time. Every time I see someone, I'm continually judging them. Listen, no one needs Jesus more than me. And what? Um, certainly in today's world, it's, you know, um, uh, well, well, Smiley, are you a racist? And, and I'll say no, but it's not because of what you think. It's not because I'm a good person. No, the reason I'm not a racist is I find all people annoying. Don't you? I mean, can we talk? It doesn't matter what color someone is. I find what all people annoying, aren't they? And, and, and I find it hard to love all people. That's why I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Man, I really need Jesus to love people because I find them all annoying. And people will say, but, but Smiley, you're a pastor. And I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. But I'll tell you two things I've learned about myself. Number one, I am a great sinner. 
And number two, I have a great Savior. Let me tell you something about me. No one needs Jesus more than I do. Wow. Listen, one of the best ways to be a witness for Christ is to laugh with joy. And that's our assignment this week, to laugh with joy. Now, I just want you to imagine. Imagine what would happen in our lives. Imagine what would happen with our face. Imagine what would happen in our home, in our business, if there was a a breakout of laughter with joy in the community this week. Wouldn't people want to know why? Let's pray. Jesus, we're so glad you came, not to tap our joy down, but to raise it up. Jesus, we're so glad you came not to condemn us, but to save us. Thank you for living a perfect life for us, dying in our place and offering us eternal life. Listen, if you're tired of trying to save yourself and you'd like for Jesus to save you, won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Uh, If you've prayed that for the first time, won't you let us know on your card? Won't you let us know? Lord, I pray as your people that those of us who've believed in you, that we would begin to follow you this week and that we would laugh with joy, that, that we would be overcome with laughter and joy, that we're Christians and parents and small group witnesses and witnesses, we'd laugh. And Lord, this week when we mess it all up, and we will, that we would laugh with joy and point people toward you. And Lord, when we get it right this week and we overflow with faithfulness and joy, that we would point people toward you as we laugh with joy. And Lord, I pray that we would have opportunities to share you with others as we laugh with joy. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.